Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon to you and yours as LSU moves on to the winner's bracket in the SEC tournament. McNeese survives and advances in the Southland Conference. And the Cajuns continue their mastery of Texas State. We'll find out tonight in the Sunbelt Conference. And oh, no, 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 no. The Boston Celtics said, we don't want to go to the Bahamas just yet. We want to stay alive and head back to Beantown. And that they did. And the Saints, well, they're marching in with most of their players there. Most important, their quarterback was there. These stories and more coming your way today, Wednesday, May 24th, the year 2023. My main man, James Mesh, in the producer's chair in the Evco Development Studios. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multi-family construction. It's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're on KLCJ 1041 in the lovely village of Lake Charles. We're streaming everywhere. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if that's not enough, well, if you're in the Acadiana area, you can Turn on your television set because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. It was the third matchup of the season between LSU and South Carolina. Remember, earlier in the season in Columbia, the Gamecocks won game one. LSU rallied to win game two. Game three was a rainout. Well, they met today at the Hoover Met in the first game of four today in the SEC tournament. It's double elimination time in the tournament. Tigers got, gave the ball to Thatcher Hurd. Thatcher Hurd went five and a third. Gave up four hits, three runs. They were all earned, struck out four, walked two. Tigers got the bats going early. They led six to one after five. Carolina, thanks to some walks and a hit or two, would narrow that to six to three. And that's when Nate Atkinson came in. In relief, the lefty for LSU went three and two-thirds, only gave up one hit, struck out six, walked three. He was terrific. LSU continued their slugfest with 12 hits on the day, and the Tigers roll over South Carolina 10-3. to three. Cruz, two for four. Pearson, two for four. Hanks White, two for four. Um, Trey Morgan drove in two runs. Hayden Travinsky drove in two runs. Like Joe bear with a, with a two run home run drove in two. So LSU 
in great position now as they await the winner of Arkansas and Texas A&M. LSU will play the first game of the afternoon session tomorrow at approximately 4.30 in the afternoon. So, Jake Johnson decided to go with his maybe his third or fourth pitcher in the rotation in the lineup with Thatcher Hurd, and Thatcher Hurd did a really, really nice job. He was retired the first 12 batters he faced, did give up a home run, got, got a little bit behind in the, in the pitch count, but went on to claim the win. Nate Atkinson gets the save. So LSU in great shape against a good South Carolina team who's going to make the SEC, the NCAA tournament. They're in the top of the third scoreless between the Aggies and the fourth-ranked Arkansas Razorbacks. Last night at Joe Miller Ballpark, win or go home. And the McNeese Cowboys took care of business against Texas A&M Corpus Christi with a four-zip shutout in this one. McNeese was led by Grant Rogers, who pitched a complete game, nine-inning game, seven hits he gave up, didn't no runs, uh, struck out five, didn't walk one batter through 107 pitches, Grant Rogers now 12 and one on the season. McNeese, big time win in a pressurized situation. Now they return to take on the number one seed in the Southland Conference, Nichols, tonight. First pitch, 6 p.m. at Joe Miller Ballpark. The Raging Cajuns get underway in the, in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament at the Riverwalk Stadium in Montgomery, Alabama, tonight at 7.30 p.m. Two weeks ago, the Raging Cajuns swept Texas State in baseball for the first time ever. They'll try and make it four in a row over Texas State tonight. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Can they beat them a fourth time? The, the records and seeds of the two teams are very similar. Cajuns are the fourth seed. They're 36-20 and 20 overall, 18-12 and 12 in league play. Texas State is the five seed. They're 30, 35 and 21 overall. One game behind the Cajuns in the Sun Belt Conference at 17 and 13. UL relies on pitching, defense. Texas State, um, good on the mound, but they, uh, good defense and they steal bases. So we'll see what happens here. Levi. Wells for um, makes you mad. Levi Wells goes on the mound against Jackson Nezu. I uh, will see if the Raging Cajuns can stay in the winner's bracket there. Meanwhile, in the NBA playoffs last night, win or go home for the Boston Celtics and the Boston Celtics after um, trailing by six at the break, they came out with a 38 to 23 third quarter explosion behind Jason Tatum and company. And the Boston Celtics took that quarter, uh, backed it up with another eight point win in the fourth quarter to blow out the Miami heat. One sixteen to 99 Tatum with 33 points and 11 rebounds. One of six 
Celtics in double figures. Jason Tatum with 17. Derek White with 16. Grant Williams with 14. Al Horford with 12. Marcus Smart with 11. They got all the scoring punks they needed. Miami only had tw- well had 29 from Jim- Jimmy Butler, 17 from Gabe Vincent, 16 from Caleb Martin, and only 10 and five rebounds from Bam Adebayo, who got into some foul trouble in the ballgame. So the Eastern Conference Finals are not over. Game five tomorrow in Boston. We'll see what's going to happen there. Meanwhile, the Saints were at uh, day one of their OTAs was yesterday, day two today. Um, And we'll find out uh, what that was all about coming up. We'll hear from Dennis Allen. We'll hear from Derek Carr. And we'll hear from the feel-good story of Foster Moreau. That uh, That was there. He was out there and participating, and that is such a great, great story. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, So let me tell you what our guest list looks like today. We will go out to Hoover, Alabama, suburb of Birmingham. Bill Frankes will join us. He was there on the call of the game that you could hear on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. He will give us an update. What do the Tigers plan to do tomorrow in their 430 matchup against the winner of Arkansas and Texas A&M that's underway as we speak? We'll hear from Dennis Allen, as I said. We'll hear from Derek Carr and Foster Moreau, the Honey Badger. In our number two, Jeff Duncan will join us from NOLA.com. He was at the first OTA, um, and he will give us his impressions of what he saw and what he believes this team will be like. And then later on at around 3.30, our USA Today correspondent for the SEC, Blake Topmeyer, will join us. The SEC spring meetings will be taking place next week. What to expect? What to anticipate? Are they going to resolve the scheduling? Are there going to be eight games in the league? Are there going to be nine games, nine league games when Texas and Oklahoma do come over? So we'll talk all about that with Blake Topmeyer. Birthday wishes and more. That's the docket today. We are so glad you joined us on this Wednesday, May 24th. We'll take our first time out of the day after we return from that out to Hoover, Alabama, for an update on the Tigers' big-time win over South Carolina with the voice of Alec Box Stadium, Skip Bertman Field, Bill Frankes. Next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You can see the defending world champs in person because the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with another Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Cincinnati Reds on Saturday, June 17th. And you can be there. Register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros Weekend Getaways, powered by Bookshire AC, Le Meridian Houston Downtown, and The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. 
All right, great start to the day as LSU baseball got underway at 9.30 this morning, taking on South Carolina in um, the double elimination bracket of the SEC tournament. LSU gets the win 10-3. They will advance to play tomorrow afternoon around 4.30 against the winner of Texas A&M and Arkansas, which is underway as we speak. Let's recap the win for the Tigers with the man who was on the call here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, our good friend Bill Frank as Bill. Um, good day for the Tigers, and I, I guess I want to start with it, it, nobody believes more in Thatcher Hurd than Jake Johnson. I, I did not think that Hurd would get the ball today, but he did, and he was terrific. He really was, Jordy. Um, you know, Jay addressed that after the game. Because you know, there were times when I think people may have questioned uh, you know, Thatcher and, and his ability. He came here from UCLA, of course, and he was just dominant at UCLA before he got injured in his freshman year. And uh, he, along with Paul Skeens, you know, and Tommy White, were cons- all considered to be uh, you know huge uh, transfers and, and would make a great impact on the program. And of course, we know Skeens and White have, but Thatcher. <clears throat> After a good, a strong start to the season, had several really rough outings. But I'd say in the last month or so, he has uh, really made a big difference. He, I, th- I believe that now in his last eight outings, he's been very effective in seven of the eight. He had one uh, rough go uh, recently. But otherwise, man, he, he's been right on top of it. He, he's demonstrated the, the, the ability and the, the stuff that we, we knew he had when he was at UCLA. And, and he flashed it all during the fall. I mean, several – Pitchers during fall practice, uh, several hitters during fall practice said toughest guy I faced after Paul Skeens, of course, was Thatcher Hurd because he has such a variety of pitches and he has great velocity, first of all, and then he can throw three other pitches besides the fastball for strikes. And uh, he's been sharp. He, he looked, uh, you know, obviously threw three perfect innings to start the game today and ran into a little uh, trouble in the fourth inning, got out of it, right. and then uh, the pitched into the sixth inning, which was his longest outing of the year. And threw 100 pitches, his highest pitch count of the year. So if he can duplicate that type of performance in a regional type situation, then that certainly would be a big, huge boost to LSU's pitching. Because you know we, we know about Paul Skeens, and we feel pretty good about Ty Floyd as a number two yeah. starter. But if Hurd can function as a third starter like he did today, then that certainly uh, enhances LSU's chances of, of a strong postseason run. Bill Frank is with. I thought the key moment of the game is after Hurd got out. Dutton comes in yeah. to pitch for Hurd. He walks <clears throat> Lacroix, loads the bases. Right. Um, Jay said, "That's it. We're going with the lefty Ackenhausen." And Ackenhausen gets a strikeout, and he gets a ground out to yep. stop the bleeding. They only scored two runs. He got out of the jam, and from then on out, I thought the Tigers were um, never looked back. I agree, Jordy. And after Thatcher heard the next best storyline of the game for LSU was Nate Ackenhausen. Again, uh, like Thatcher, got off to a great start this season. And then fans may remember he injured his hamstring in early to mid-March and didn't pitch for about three weeks. And then when he came back in late April, he pitched a few times, but not with a lot of success. And But today, this is the Nate Ackenhausen we saw at the beginning of the year. And I'm, 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 I think that can be attributed to him being healthy. Hamstrings not an issue anymore. And he was extremely effective. I mean, three and a third uh, shutout innings. He allowed just one hit. 
He had six strikeouts, including that big strikeout of Gavin Casas, the uh, South Carolina power-hitting first right. baseman, in that bases-loaded situation. He strikes out Casas, and he gets the next hitter, uh, Tippett, to ground back to the mound. And that was a huge sequence of the game. In fact, Jay, as fans may know, identifies a magic moment after each win. And he had three magic moments in this game. He had the, the performance of Thatcher Hurd. He had Braden Jobert's home run, the two-run homer in the second inning that got the Tigers' yeah. offense going. His third magic moment was that sequence you just alluded to when Nate Ackenhausen got out of that bases-loaded jam uh, with just one out, Tigers holding on to a 6-3 to three lead at the time. And the way he performed it in that moment was huge for LSU. Then, of course, he finished out the game. He threw 67 pitches, which is his longest outing in a long time. Yeah. And, again, a combination of Hurd and Ackenhausen really uh, gives you a different perspective on how effective LSU's pitching can be when it's at the full strength. Yeah, 12 hits on the day, so the bats were there. Uh, we talked yesterday with Anthony Renato. He calls the SEC tournament the LSU Invitational after he won right. back-to-back, help be a part of LSU teams that won back-to-back-to-back uh, SEC right. tournaments, 2008, 9, and 10, I think it was. Um, yeah, man, what a exactly. crowd of LSU fans today. It was amazing. Yeah, man. Jordan, that really stood out to me. You know, the game started, and I, I, I looked around and said, wow, there's a big crowd here. And then they, they got the, the Tiger fans started the LSU cheers and the Go Tiger cheers. It was, it was pretty loud. I said, man, what a great atmosphere for a 930 game. The LSU fans definitely populated the stadium. And it, it was a tremendous, just a tremendous atmosphere uh, for a Wednesday morning. And I think certainly the players and the coaches appreciated it. And certainly South Carolina is a team that's going to the NCAA tournament yep. for sure. They're 39 and 18, 16 and 13 now in the league. LSU gets up to 43 wins overall, 19 and 10 in league play. And um, you'll play the winner, as we mentioned, of um, Texas A&M and Arkansas. Correct. And uh, I'm looking at it right now, and A&M seems to be a team that's on the rise in the top of the third. They're up three zip over the hogs. Yeah. You know, A&M, uh, when we played them the, the very first weekend of SEC play out in college station and won two out of three, really probably should have swept. We had a league, a lead late in game three and A&M came back and won game three, but uh, they've, they've kind of had an up and down year, a very highly ranked to start the year, got out to a slow start in SEC play, but they seem to have found their footing uh, in recent weeks very talented team, uh, lots of uh, left-handed pitching. And I'm, I'm almost certain we'll see a left-handed starter tomorrow uh, if we do play Texas A&M. But, yeah, they, you're right, Jordy. They do appear to be a team on the rise. Remember, they were in Omaha last year in Jim Schlossnagel's first year as head coach. Yep. So, yeah, there certainly will be a factor during the postseason. You, you may see a left-hander. You don't know. Do we have any idea what Jay Johnson so, is thinking as far as who his picture is going to be tomorrow? We have a pretty good idea. In fact, he was asked about it in the press conference. Naturally, will we see Paul Skeens tomorrow? And Jay's response was, you'll want to come to the game tomorrow, which <laughs> indicates to me that Paul Skeens is, start, is starting the game. Then he went on to say, well, you know, we're going to wait and see who we play, but I'm almost certain that Paul Skeens will be the starter, uh, whether we play Arkansas or Texas A&M tomorrow. Bill Frank is with us in Hoover, Alabama. Um, it was interesting because I'm watching it on television and I've got the sound off and I'm listening to you and, and Doug Thompson with the game. 
um, they made reference to Heard wearing a Paul Skeens glove. Yeah. Tell me about that yeah. one. So what happened? Yeah, he, Thatcher was asked about that in the post game press conference as well. Uh, first of all, Pat, Thatcher and Paul are, are very good friends. They're, they're roommates um, on campus in Baton Rouge. So, uh, you know, they're both California kids, so they develop a, a good, a strong friendship. So apparently, Thatcher's glove broke a few weeks ago, and he calls it one of Paul's hand me down gloves, a, a glove that Paul wasn't using anymore. Paul loaned it to him since his, his Thatcher's glove broke. And it seems as if since he's been using the b- borrowed hand-me-down from Paul, Thatcher's been pitching better. So he kind of considers it a good luck charm. So he says he's going to stick with that, that Paul Skeens glove uh, for the rest of the year, and he seems to be having some, some good luck with it so far. Yeah, I guess when you're skiing, you got a multitude of gloves. Yeah. I don't think that's yeah. going to be uh, an issue. We mentioned the Nate Ackenhausen um, pitching gem to get out of that a uh, one-out bases-loaded situation. I, I, I thought LSU broke open a close game in the fifth inning, and it, and it seemed to me that they were very patient at the plate. Uh, yes. Two outs, they get, you know, they they they, they score um, in a, in a myriad of ways. You get consecutive singles from Joe Bear, Joe Bear, Dugas, and Cruz, and then you get walks from Pearson and White. So they're they're very selective at the plate. That scores two yeah. runs. Then you get sacrifice flies by Trey Morgan and Hayden Dravinsky. That brings in two more runs. So it's not how far you hit it. It's just get guys across the plate. And LSU yeah. did that, particularly with two outs. You're right, Jordy. Disciplined at bats. I know Jay Johnson preaches that all the time. Discipline at the plate. Strike zone discipline. Controlling, controlling the strike zone. Uh, yeah, I think I've said this before. He always makes the analogy to the – the, the strike zone in baseball is analogous to a, a, the football line of scrimmage. You have to you control the line of scrimmage in football, you're going to win. You control the strike zone in baseball, you're going to win. And, th- and those hitters are disciplined. You're right. They they were selective at the plate, drawing those bases loaded walks, and then putting the ball in play when necessary to score those runs, uh, both deep fly balls by Morgan and Travinsky. And, uh, yeah, really throughout the lineup, Jordy, it was a, a real balanced attack today. You know, everyone in the lineup contributed in some way. I guess the, the biggest blow, of course, was the, was the Jobert home run in the second inning. But uh, throughout the game, the Tigers lineup uh, contributed in a variety of ways. And then one through nine, it's a pretty it's a pretty daunting lineup for any, for any team. I, I would yeah. think that <clears throat> when you have a guy like Braden Jobert batting eighth in your lineup, that, that's pretty strong. <laughs> You've got a pretty strong lineup. Yep, uh, it really is. Jake Johnson calls uh, the SEC tournament the best amateur baseball tournament in the world. I can't uh, I can't disagree with them at all. Some yeah. really really good teams, and the fact that you get a start from Thatcher Hurd, who might be your third pitcher, uh, and you know he goes his longest outing, and then you get Ackenhausen to come in relief to get the save. Yeah. So now you've still got a lot of uh, pitching depth available. Uh, you couldn't ask for a better start, I believe, to a tournament. I think you're. Right. I think you're right, Jordy. Uh, I, I think everything that LSU could have possibly wanted out of this game happened, and I think that's very positive for, for Jay. In fact, I, I heard I was down in the dugout near the end of the game to prepare for the post-game uh, activities, uh-huh. and uh, as, when the game ended, I heard Jay telling his uh, assistants, "Best game, of the, best game of the year. It was our best game of the year." Like he thought it was wow. one of LSU's most well-played games from, in all phases, and it really was. When you scored ten runs on twelve hits. Uh, you know, hitting throughout the lineup, uh, excellent starting pitching, excellent relief pitching, and no errors. 
it was a very well-played game, and Jay felt it may have been the, the best game LSU's played this year, which is certainly a good sign at this time of the year. Yeah. Gaining confidence, and you know you're going to the workhorse tomorrow in theory in Paul Skeen, so that's that's another boost in confidence. The bats seem to be good. Uh, and if it ended right now, you'd play A&M, but it's only in the top of the third, and the Aggies lead the Hogs three-zip. Let's hope the weather – I mean – Weather stays away. I suppose I thought it was supposed to be sunny all day. You wake up and it's drizzling, and you, you, you had to go. Yeah. Oh no! Right? Yeah, we were a little concerned actually when I, I came to the park at about uh, seven seven fifteen. It was gloomy and and it yeah. looked threatening. Fortunately, rain wasn't an issue. It doesn't appear to be an issue for the rest of the week. And you know, yesterday was weather was awful. In fact, the Tigers uh, practiced uh, indoors at the batting cages at UAB because they couldn't go outside, but. Uh, looks like looks like we're in good shape for the rest of the week. Now we're getting that typical, uh, very hot, dry Hoover weather that we uh, we normally have at this time of the year. All right, Bill Franquez, what 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 does LSU do now? Um, you know, they're they've got a long, big afternoon ahead of them. Uh, what what does Jay yeah. want them to do between now and four thirty tomorrow afternoon? I think most likely uh, they'll probably get most of today off just to be with their families. Uh, of course. The beauty, one of the beauties of this tournament is uh, the top-seeded teams stay at the Hyatt uh, Winfrey, the Winfrey Hotel in Birmingham, which is yeah. connected to the River Chase Galleria Mall. So yeah. you literally can walk out of the hotel lobby directly into the mall, and so there's plenty of activity, plenty of things going on, plenty of places to eat. And so uh, I think the players get some free time, just kind of take it easy, and then more than likely Jay will have them meet and talk about whoever the opponent will be and go through some scouting reports and things of that nature. But yeah, he usually keeps them busy, uh, keeps them, um, uh, you know, mentally and physically um, alert uh, throughout much of these road trips. So uh, they'll have some extra time to relax, but there'll also be some time to focus on the next opponent. Sounds like a winner. Bill Frank, as I can't thank you enough, sir, Um, enjoy your stay and uh, congrats on the win today. Great job on the radio. And uh, we look forward to hearing it again tomorrow. Thank, Thank you. you. All right, man. Thanks so much, Jordy. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. Bill Frank has the best LSU with a 10-3 to win over South Carolina. They will take on the winner of Texas A&M and Arkansas tomorrow at 4.30, which means pregame show at 4, first pitch, 4.30, right here on the game. And right now, A&M leads Arkansas Three zip still in the top of the third. We'll update you when we return. And when we do return, we'll hear from the New Orleans Saints, Dennis Allen and Derek Carr, the Honey Badger, Foster Moreau, about day one of their OTAs next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles is your home for the McNeese Coaches Show presented by Mr. Bill's Seafood Express, Southwest Beverage Company, lying in bed out of Westlake and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Tune in tonight starting at 6 as host Jim Gazzola will be talking with softball coach James Landrino. You can hear it all right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the McNeese Coaches Show. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. 
we are back and thankful that you're back with us on this Wednesday, May 24th. Today is day two of the Saints and their voluntary training uh, activities, OTAs, right? Uh, yesterday, the media was allowed uh, to, to partake, to listen, to watch. And we've got some sound for you from um, some of the power players first the head coach Dennis Allen talked about his first day back getting most everybody back on the field again first day out here back to ball uh it's fun getting back out here and and, uh and getting going excited to see you know our guys work um look we got a lot of uh, we got a lot of getting better to do um you know there's a lot of new new pieces a lot of moving parts and uh, we're going we're gonna to utilize this this uh, this opportunity to get better. So uh, we're excited about it. Of course, um, he brought in the quarterback that he first drafted when when he was the coach for the Oakland Raiders. Here's Dennis Allen with his first impressions of number four, Derek Carr. Yeah, look, I thought you know he did a pretty good job getting in and out of the huddle. I thought he was uh, you know good with his reads, knew where to go with the ball. You know the execution I thought was 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 fairly decent, uh, and yet I think, you know, collectively on both sides of the ball, um, you know, we got to be a little cleaner. That's just day one. Plenty of time to do that. Derek Carr, um, coveted by many teams out there, told everyone in New Orleans why he came to play for the New Orleans Saints. Well, I will, I'll say I, I won't ever compare myself to Drew, you know, a man's walking Hall of Famer, you know. Um, but I believe that I came here, you know, I downplay a lot of things, but I came here for one reason and one reason alone, that's to win. And I believe that, you know, I can, I can do that. I believe that in myself, I believe in my teammates, I believe in this organization that they can help me do that because uh, I can't do it by myself. You know, no one can. And so uh, I think that I can add value. I think they add value to me. And I think that there's things here where – they're helping me be a better football player, and they're pushing me, and they're they're doing certain things that that I'm comfortable with, and that that I've succeeded at for you know nine years. You know, hey man, you're really good at these things. Let's let's do those things. You know, and uh, you know this is something that we like. Let's see if let's see if you're good at it. Let's see if you know it fits you. And I just I always feel that I can be better because I work to be better every day. So I hope to be better. Um, at least until my body gives out, you know, until I can't throw it anymore. Um, I'll, I'll always be on the mindset of chasing that perfection, knowing that probably never going to get there. Um, but I'll chase it for sure every day, hoping and believing that, you know, there's more, there's more, um, I should say there's better days, you know, for me. I like Derek Carr. <laughs> um, going from Vegas to New Orleans, he was asked, how long is it going to take for you to understand and remember the Pete Carmichael language of offense. Yeah, I think it, just during OTAs, it should happen pretty naturally. You know, today, just calling plays and, you know, spitting them out, boom, 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 and, you know, doing those things, that, that's where it's just going to, you know, wash out the other stuff. And just getting into this, getting into the meetings, you know, you have the meetings before, you got the, you know, you got the practice, you got the walkthrough, you got the meetings after, you got, you know, going back and studying afterwards when you get home and all those things. And so for me, you know, just getting into that world. You know, uh, it's one thing to see it on a screen and read it on a page, but you got to go do it. And so I've been, I've been walking around my house. My my little daughter knows our, you know, snap count. You know, she's been saying it back to me because I've been yelling it through the house as I'm calling plays and doing things. So uh, it's been pretty funny. But I think that as we, you know, 
grow through these practices, these OTAs. It's it's a good time for me to just grow into that, so that when I hit camp, I'm like, all right, now let's go, let's just go win. You know, I'm trying to win, but I'm also trying to learn at the same time right now. Uh, but you know, hopefully through these OTAs, it'll just become natural. First time he had got to uh, see who he is going to be throwing the ball to. Actually, saw them run routes and throw the passes to them. So Derek Carr was asked, who does Chris Olave remind you of? You know, he's very fast, very sudden. Um, I don't want I, I don't like putting comparisons out there because then, you know, me personally, it's like, no, he has to be this. And I know you guys won't do that, but I just don't want to put that on him. But uh, he's also Chris Olave. You know, he wants to be himself. And maybe there are certain guys that are very similar sim similarities uh, that I see in the route running and in the burst and all those kind of things. But um, the one thing I will say about him is he loves to work. You know, he, he loves to work. He, he keeps his, you know, he keeps his head down, doesn't say much until it's time. Um, but, you know, you know, today I was like, hey, I'm coming to you on this. You know, I need you to win. And he's like, how much time do I have? I said, I don't care, just win, you know, because certain coverages they were playing. And he went up there, did a, one, got the ball, and, you know, we're just building on that, you know. And so, um, you know, watching him run is, it's been a treat. Him and Rashid can fly. You know, um, but not only can they fly, they can run routes and they can play football. And so it's fun, fun for me to watch. Of course, one of his teammates now a New Orleans Saint. And of course, we've been talking about it for days about the lymphoma Hodgkins uh, uh, diagnosis. But Foster Moreau, the former Jesuit Blue Jay from New Orleans who came to LSU, um, is now being reunited with Derek Carr here in New Orleans. And Carr was asked about what's it like being back with your buddy Foster Moreau. Yes, but it was amazing. Um, you know, it was, you know, there was no learning curve on how to throw him a football. You know, uh, I know how he gets out of breaks and things like that. But I think um, I, I don't want to undersell what that man just walked through. You know, um, you know, that's pretty scary news and a pretty scary thing to go through. And for him to be out there already, um, you know, I'm not getting to his business, but it's pretty, pretty, pretty miraculous. I know he's. He's thankful, you know, we were praying for him. You know, he called us, you know, pretty early when he found out and, you know, he's asked my wife and I to pray for him. And obviously we do because we're family. And, um, you know, I'm just happy that he's, that he's out there and doing something that he loves to do. And uh, the fact that we get to play together is pretty cool too. And here's uh, he, who he was talking about. Here's Foster Moreau talking about being back with Derek Carr. The cadence was certainly a lot easier. Uh, mm. There was uh, there was some times today where I, I definitely struggled to get off the ball as fast as I wanted to. Um, not too many of those times really really happened with Derek, just because I I know when he's snapping the ball. And uh, other than that, it's it's fun. Routes on air, you know. I'm gonna run a basic cross and just hearing that familiar face, like, hey, I, I got I got fall. Like that's pretty fun, right? It's it's pretty fun. Foster Moreau. Um was asked, is this where you wanted to sign? And if so, why? It was an option, certainly. Um, honestly, I just, I hadn't given it too much thought. I tried to go in with as much of an open mind as I wanted to. And I, I've, I've said this before, um, I wanted to be a one club player, to be, to be perfectly honest. I just, I didn't want free agency to really even be a thing for me. I thought that was, you know, the guys that I always looked up to, the guys that I really respected, um, we're always the guys that stuck it out with the guys that took a chance on him from the beginning. Loyalty is a, is a, is a major trait for anyone in this business. And that's something that I always wanted to show. Um, but just the reception of, of loyalty based on 
absolutely no performance that I've ever given for anyone in this building. Um, the, the respect that they showed me, um, I mean, it, it just, it spoke volumes. It really did. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Um, what a great story with Foster Moreau. Um, Jawan Johnson, the starting, uh, the starting tight end, the pass catching tight end will be battled by Moreau. Um, but I'm always curious as to what receivers think about their new quarterback. And here's Jawan Johnson talking about beginning to work with his new quarterback, Derek Carr. It's been good. Uh, obviously, you know, everybody's excited to see what, you know, Derek can do. And, you know, us having a lot of weapons around him is, is going to make it a lot easier for him knowing that a lot of guys are here. And so I'm just really excited to, you know, make the plays when I can. And obviously it's OTA, so it's very early, but, you know, it's just things to build chemistry and build trust, and this is the time to do it. It is the time to do it. Honey Badger, Teran Matthews, starting safety. Dude, you've been around the league a long time. What's up with OTAs and you? Why, what's the importance of it? Well, I, I think it's important. Um, you know, obviously, you. this is kind of the time where you, you know, learn the system. You know, you learn your teammates. You learn your coaches. Um, you know, you, you kind of build that foundation. You know what I mean? Going forward, so... Um, you know, I, I know some veterans feel like, oh man, I don't really need to be there. But you know, I think for you know a guy coming into the second year of the system, like, you know, I think is a positive. Dennis Allen uh, said he communicated with everyone, so there were no surprises for the absentees like Alvin Kamara and Marshawn Lattimore, Michael Thomas, Taysom Hill, Demario Davis, Ryan Ramchek, and Andrus Pete among the ten players missing from the workout no surprises and all 80 of the 89 players on the roster were present um which is on par with the participation at past off-season workouts so they all seem to be together can they um line up and go from there veteran offensive lineman james hurst veteran safety jt cray were also absent from day one so we'll talk with Jeff Duncan more about uh, what he saw uh, with Ruiz and Trevor Penning uh, that were present and in uniform but not practicing, coupled with Pete and Ramchek being sidelined. The offensive line was without four of its five projected starters. So um, they got to get healthy. They got to stay healthy so that offensive line coach uh, Doug Marone can can put something together, but it was great for Foster Moreau. Um, again, um, with no limitations, no limitations for the first time that he's practiced since being diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, a type of cancer of the lymph nodes. So no limitations. That is the greatest news uh, yet, yet. So uh, Saints, underway, underway. And... It's just the beginning of the process. They'll have two more of these OTAs and then mandatory mini camp coming up later in June. So there you have it. We'll take a time out here. When we come back, we'll update you on the uh, SEC game between Texas A&M and Arkansas. The winner gets LSU tomorrow at 430. We'll set the stage for hour number two and much, much more here on the Jordy Heltberg Show after this time out. 
This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And our great partners such as ShopRite, Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, Cleaning America's Air from the Inside Out. By Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device. It helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery. Boy, they've got a lot of games that you can play and a lot of money that you can win. But you can't win until you start playing by D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon. I-10 at the Henderson-Cecilia exit. Oh, it's got everything under the sun inside their store. Great staff. Great people, and they've got tucked away in the corner a true soul food deli. I swear to it. It's the best cheeseburger I've ever eaten. Try it. See if you agree or disagree. But you're not going to disagree. DC's Little Capital Exxon. And by Cajun Chef. Ah, so many products. Um, They've been in the business for over 90 years. The Beard family. From generation to generation, still putting out the best product in the world. Do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Asian Chef Hot Sauce. Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Hoss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We are back at 54 minutes after the hour. It's now in the top of the fourth in Hoover, Alabama. Texas A&M and Arkansas, the Aggies have added yet another run. They lead the second-ranked Arkansas Razorbacks, the two-seed, 4-2 zip. A lot of baseball yet to be played, but A&M seems to be kind of on a roll as they uh, they were winners yesterday. They upset Tennessee, 3-zip. Um, remember, 14-16 and 16 in the league. Um, and now they are ahead of Arkansas, who was 20 and 10 in SEC play and co-champs. So um, along with the Florida Gators, Florida's the number one seed, Arkansas is the two seed, LSU is the three seed. So AM uh, right now the number 10 seed in the conference tournament, leading Arkansas four to Zippo. Yes, indeed. Still to come, we've got McNeese versus Texas a uh, versus Nichols tonight at 6 p.m. after their four-zip shutout win over Texas A&M Corpus Christi yesterday in the Southland Conference Tournament. And the Raging Cajuns, after sweeping Texas State in the regular season two weeks ago, will take on Texas State today at 7.30 in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. So, um we shall see uh, at the Riverwalk Stadium in Montgomery, Alabama. So we uh, so far so good for LSU for McNeese. Let's see. I hope the Cajuns can can get it done as well. Softball travel. They're already in Seattle as they get ready to take on Washington, the Raging Cajun softball team. Um, 
now in the Super Regional. It's the best two out of three, and that will get underway on Friday, about 9 o'clock our time. So um, baseball staying alive, staying alive uh, here in the state of Louisiana. Coming up, our number two of the big show, Jeff Duncan. It's been a day and a half since we've had Jeff on, the award-winning journalist for NOLA.com. He's an author, um, does everything. Uh, he'll share his thoughts on the Saints and OTAs. We'll have some uh, thoughts on the NBA playoffs after that. Blake Topmeyer from the USA Today Network. He's covering the SEC. We are um, at this time next week, the SEC um, spring meetings over there in Sandestin at the Riverwalk will be taking place. Uh, football coaches, basketball coaches, athletic directors, presidents, they'll all be there. And we'll see what the SEC, what uh, what happens as far as their, the biggest topic is going to be scheduling with the additions of Texas and Oklahoma. Is the SEC going to go to a nine-game conference schedule? Is it going to stay as an eight-game schedule? Are they going to go in pods? Are they going to go, how, how are they going to work it all out? Well, we'll talk to Blake Topmeyer and get some inside information on that. It's all coming your way. Hour number two, the Jordy Helpert Show here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Fighting Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two and away we go on this uh, Wednesday, May 24th, between college baseball, Saints OTAs, NBA playoffs, um, so much going on. We've got a lot to cover. Let's get right to it. My main man, James Mesh, back in the producer's chair in the Evco Development Studios. Evco Development, a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. It's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on KLCJ 1041 Lake Charles, streaming everywhere, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on as we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. LSU wins today 10-3 to over South Carolina. They'll play at 430 Tomorrow, uh, Thursday afternoon, against the winner of Texas A&M and Arkansas, which is currently in the top of the fifth inning. Arkansas just hit a home run in the bottom of the fourth. A&M with a 4-1 lead over the Razorbacks. Let's get right to it. Um, our next guest is, boy, it's been, a, it's been a day and a half, and that's my fault. And I apologize to you, the listeners, because he's so good. He's an award-winning uh, journalist. He's a... He's an author. He's done it all. He is sports in New Orleans. Good friend, Jeff Duncan, kind enough to join us. Jeff, man, it has been a while, my friend, but how are you? Jordy, I'm doing great. Good to hear you and uh, glad to be back on. Oh, it, it, it is our pleasure. Believe me. Um, Saints going through OTAs. You happen to uh, be there for the one day that the media is allowed. You got your first look at Derek Carr in a Saints uniform and 
I got to believe, and just listening to some of his sound bites, I got to believe you were impressed. I was impressed. I, I like the guy. I don't, I don't, you know, hopefully he plays great, but um, I just like the guy. What were your first impressions? Yeah, I was more impressed with, uh, you know, his demeanor and presence at his press conference, to be honest with you, than anything to take away from watching him on a football field. I mean, we're in the early stages here. They're running around in shorts. Uh, they're just learning the offensive system. There's not a whole lot to glean from that. I, right. I've always hesitant to overreact to these off-season practices. There's really not much to get out of that. But as the face of the franchise that the starting quarterback of an NFL team is, uh, you have to have a certain presence and demeanor and comportment. And I thought – uh, he exemplified that. I mean, he's definitely a starting quarterback in the NFL. You could just tell the way he carried himself. I thought he was very expansive in his answers and uh, looking forward to working with him this year. We'll find out what it's like, Jordy, you know, after a tough loss. I mean, it might be different, but as far as first impressions go, it's hard to be much better than Derek Carr was yesterday. Jeff Duncan with us. The feel-good story to me of the year uh, to date is the Foster Moreau story. The kid from Jesuit High School in New Orleans comes to LSU, gets drafted by the Raiders, and then, of course, we hear the tragic, what we thought was tragic news, so saddening, uh, but he's been cleared to play from Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, he's out there doing his thing. I mean, what a great, great story, and what just, it's remarkable to me, and uh you got the chance to see him and hear from him. What what were your observations there? Well, yeah, it was it was incredible to see him out there, uh, and then to get a chance to t- visit with him afterward. Uh, you can tell that this experience has changed him, uh, as it would anyone. I think when you hear, yeah. uh, you know, those are scary words in a diagnosis, especially at such a young mm-hmm. age. I'm sure, it was a shock to him, and uh, to be able to come back so quickly after receiving treatment. And the good news is with this type of diagnosis, I mean, if you catch it early, it's very treatable. Uh, I've had some friends that have gone through very similar treatment at young ages, and um, they're fine, been living for decades with this uh, leukemia, Hodgkin's leukemia. So that's the good news. Uh, I think that it was caught early, and uh, he didn't look – any different than than the guy I saw at LSU or with the with the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, he he didn't show any type of limitations, and uh, that was what we were told by Mickey Loomis and Dennis Allen before they put him out on the field. So it was good to see Foster Moreau. He's going to be a great story all year long for uh, yeah. for the New Orleans Saints. And I think he's a really good player. That's just got the tip of the iceberg. I think he's going to get better and better. I think he can become a at least I hope, but I, I really believe he'll become a valuable asset to this club. Well, he fits exactly the type of uh, tight end that the Saints look for, and that is, uh, you know, they don't really look for guys that, um, you know, they used to you have a lot of F-type tight ends, you know, receiving tight ends, and then uh-huh. there's a blocking tight end. They want the complete player. Foster Moreau is that. He can block. He can catch. In other words, he can play in all the different offensive sets, uh, whether they run the ball, pass the ball. They want that versatility at that position 
much like they have right now with Juwan Johnson and also Taysom Hill, who's also playing tight end. So he fits perfectly what they want at the tight end position. I think he, I, I agree with that. I think he's going to have a big role this year. Uh, surprise, Isaiah Foskey not there. Well, I, I thought these contracts were set in stone. You get drafted here, this is what you make. What's, what's, what's the holdup? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. It's certainly surprising. I mean, you know, I remember back when I first started covering the NFL, <laughs> back in, especially the New Orleans Saints back in the day, Jordy, uh, some of these rookie contracts, uh, they would take – weeks sometimes uh yes. you know, players negotiate and get to camp uh that's not the case anymore these these deals are slotted so there's right. probably some yeah there's probably some minor uh you know incentives that his agent must be trying to hammer out in negotiations but it, it makes no sense uh you want him there whatever we're talking about that's holding this up is so minor that it's it's not worth it so uh he's the only rookie not at camp He's one of the few rookies in the entire NFL not in camp. So it doesn't make much sense. Uh, hopefully they get this solved soon. Jeff Duncan with us, NOLA.com, award-winning uh, journalist, author. Boy, I'm glad the Saints don't play tomorrow because uh, Derek Carr would, would probably change his mind because there is doesn't seem to be any offensive linemen out there. They're either hurt or they weren't uh, present for um, the first OTA. But that offensive line kind of concerns me a little bit. Well, the, the the two guys that were not a surprise was Cesar Ruiz and uh, and the you know second year player Trevor Penning. Both those guys coming off Liz Frank injuries late in the season a year ago, working their way through their rehab. So we knew that more than likely they were not going to be out there. Probably not going to be with the Saints until training camp. Both are expected to be at training camp. Uh, the other guys were just a couple of veterans, and, and Dennis Allen didn't go into any details on why some of the veteran players were not there. But I think just put two and two together, Jordy. I mean, we're talking about Andres Pete and Ryan Ramchick on the offensive line. They're the two senior members of the offensive line. And then you just look around the rest of the roster, uh, you know, Marshawn Lattimore, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Demario Davis. These are all veteran players. I think it's probably nothing more than Dennis Allen giving them the choice of whether they want to come to camp or not. This is voluntary. Uh, the, these OTAs, and uh, I think it's probably nothing more than a, a you know senior citizens discount, if you will. I gotcha, um, Jeff. Just how much? Um, I mean, <laughs> there's pressure on this coaching staff. You've got new coaches uh, involved, uh, so it's a chance for the coaches to get the players, players to get to know the coaches. But uh, what's the temperature on Dennis Allen, and in particular? Pete Carmichael, you think, heading into this uh, into this season? Well, I think they're pretty much joined at the hip at this point. Um, yep. And I think they know that. I mean, coming off a disappointing season, no one expected them to go 7-10 and 10 a year ago. That's the worst record the Saints have had in almost two decades. Uh, Dennis Allen understands it's a production business more than anybody. And yep. uh, he's got a short leash, and he knows it. And I think that's why... Uh, there was a sense of urgency this off season to, uh, you know, change out and overhaul some of the defensive coaching staff, get certain uh, players in place, especially Derek Carr locked in at quarterback. They know they have to win. And when you look at that schedule, I know it, it's always different on paper than what mm-hmm. you get in the season. But I was sitting yesterday 
at camp with Bobby Bear and and we both agreed. I mean, it's it is the easiest schedule I can ever remember the Saints having. I, I agree. I just can't imagine an easier schedule avoiding the elite quarterbacks uh, yes. playing in the NFC South when it's down. So many organizations yes. in, already in transition. Uh, if they can't squeeze out double digit wins from this schedule with this team, uh, then I think Dennis Allen, uh, you know, is going to be in trouble just because I yeah. I can't imagine it's going to get much better for him after this season. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. There aren't many top flight quarterbacks that the Saints are going to face on their schedule. I think if I can think of Trevor Lawrence, and then after that, yeah, you're not facing the Mahomeses and the Allens and the and and the the Rogers and that kind of group. So I, I agree with you 100. Are are you a Jake Hayner fan? Do you do you like what you see in him, the the rookie from Fresno? Yeah, I do. I mean, it's obviously very early, but I like what I yeah. hear about him more than anything else. Uh, you know, it's a fascinating story. I mean, he's he's definitely uh, by NFL standards uh, not prototype size. I mean, he looks tiny right. out there. He definitely <laughs> um, uh, is not the standard NFL quarterback, but the ball comes out quick. He knows where he's going with it. He compensates a lot of the ways that Drew Brees did. Uh, you know, as a as a quarterback. In other words, he 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 uses his processing ability and his cognitive thinking to um, be one step ahead of the defense. Right. And uh, look, he's won at a high level, and and he's produced at a high level. And I think the Saints like a young player like that that they can bring in behind Carr and Jameis Winston and develop long term. Do you believe that he can develop? quickly enough, let's say there is a team out there in the AFC that loses their quarterback and they call the Saints and say, man, you know, we'd really like Jameis Winston. Um, do you think this young kid can improve enough whether they would entrust him as the the backup quarterback and the Saints would get some draft capital out of a Jameis Winston trade? Well, that would be, I think, difficult to do this year just because of the you know, the timeline that he's going to be compressed against is going to be difficult. Yeah. But I'll tell okay. you this. I mean, I've got a story coming out in a couple of weeks on Jay Kaner and how the Saints identified him. And it's pretty fascinating. A lot of local ties. You know, this S2 cognition test that has become kind of the rage of the NFL and personnel evaluations. The Saints are on the cutting edge of that, Jordy. And uh, so is LSU, actually. Uh, you know, Jack Marucci and his group there. Yeah. implementing and integrating this cognition test into almost every athletic program. And the guy that created it uh, is a Lafayette, basically native a guy named Brandon Alley went to St. Thomas Moore when Jamie Howard was there and um, ran cross country at university of Tennessee, became a neuroscientist wow. invented this test. And it's become really the main evaluation tool for the NFL draft. And, Jake Hayner scored extremely high on the ability to process and make decisions, quick decisions. That's what this test gauges, and I think the Saints leaned heavily on that, and it's pretty interesting considering all the Louisiana ties to uh, to this amazing. test that's now I think you're going to hear more and more about in years to come. Man, I can't wait to read that a couple of weeks from now. Man, that's, that's awesome. That fascinates me, uh, those type of things. So um, 
Look, I, I know you're very, very busy. It's been way too long. Can't wait to see what the future holds coming from the, the pen or the, the computer of, of a Jeff Duncan. It's always must read material. I just, uh, I appreciate your friendship and I appreciate your time as always. So, so thank you very, very much. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Jordy. We'll do it again soon. Let me get through this book deadline and uh, <laughs> if, if I get through it and, and, and you, survive, well, wait a minute we'll now. do it again I soon. Didn't want to sp- I didn't want to spill any beans. What 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 do we have? Can, can you share what you have in the works? Oh, of course. Yeah, it's it's been publicized. I mean, I'm working on Steve Gleason's memoir. We're collaborating on his his life story, which is, as you wow. know, an extraordinary one. And I'm very yes. grateful and honored to be a part of this process. The book called A Life Impossible, and it will be on your bookshelves in January. You can pre-order it That's right awesome. now. Uh, on Amazon, but it's uh, been one of the more remarkable experiences of my life and career to get a chance to work on this project. I was going to ask you that. How? I mean, I know it's meaningful for those that you, I mean, anybody that has a book written about them. I mean, that's, that's cathartic. It's unbelievable, but I can't imagine how you get to get to know someone and get to know about them and, and what it does for you personally. That fascinates me as well. Well, yeah, working with Steve on this, uh, you realize that the traits, the work ethic, all the intangibles that allowed him as a 5'11", you know, 200-pound safety undrafted free agent to carve out an eight-year NFL career, be a special teams captain, all-time leader in pump blocks for for the New Orleans Saints. All those things are being, I'm seeing play out in this book project. I mean, the same traits that allowed him to be highly successful uh, in his football career are also being applied to this book process. And to see him exhaust himself in the process physically, uh, you know, living with ALS and, and all the demands and limitations that that disease has, and to see him pour himself into this project has been extraordinary experience. And uh, I think people are going to be blown away when they, when they get to read this book. Still the greatest play in Saints history he was a part of? Oh, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And there's a, <laughs> what, a nine-foot bronze statue commemorating yep. it on the apron of the Superdome today. Unbelievable. I can't wait. Can't wait. The Life Impossible. Um, Jeff Duncan, it's going to be a great book. Thank you so much. Get through it. I know it's a grind, but uh, we will be all appreciative for your efforts. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, Jordy. We'll talk soon, buddy. Take care. You got it, buddy. Jeff Duncan, NOLA.com, author. Um, he, he's terrific. He is terrific. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll update you on the Texas A&M Arkansas score, NBA situations, and much more. Still to come, Blake Topmeyer, USA Today with the SEC spring meetings happening. And what if the ACC dissolves? What should the, uh, what should the SEC do? Those stories and more coming your way next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game has a brand new app. It is now your one-stop shop for all things the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station. Download the free mobile app today from your Apple or Android device. Just search the game, Southwest Louisiana. No matter where you are, you can listen to the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to The Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. All right, welcome back. Uh, 23 minutes after the hour, they're in the bottom of the sixth at the SEC Baseball Tournament. Texas A&M 4, Arkansas 1. The winner, of course, will face LSU tomorrow, Thursday, at 4.30 in the afternoon. We'll have that game for you here on the game, pregame at 4, first pitch at 4.30. LSU, if you're just joining us, took care of business today against South Carolina, winning 10-3. to It was um, a good day by the offense, 12 hits, no errors on the day. It was a great job on the pitching mound. Thatcher Hurd went Five and a third innings, gave up three runs on four hits. Um, He was replaced by Dutton. Dutton walked the only batter that he faced. Jake Johnson pulled him, put in Nate Ackenhausen in the sixth inning. One out, bases loaded. Ackenhausen gets a strikeout, gets a ground out. Boom, end of the rally. And Ackenhausen went the rest, went three and two-thirds. Gave up uh, one hit, no runs, struck out six, walked three, and uh, LSU gets away with the win, 10-2-3, to improve the 43-13 overall, 19-10 and in league play. And again, they'll take on the winner of Arkansas and Texas A&M tomorrow at 4.30, which right now it's all Aggies up 4-1. to one. It was all Boston last night, 116 to 99 over the Miami Heat in Miami to stay alive in the series. Miami now leads the series three games to one as the scenery shifts to tomorrow and Boston. Now, we understand the pressure on Boston. They've got to win to keep their season alive. If Boston gets that game five win and makes the series three games to two, all the pressure in the world shifts to the Miami Heat, all of it. Um, and, you know, no one's ever come back from 3-0. Yeah, the Boston Red Sox did it to the New York Yankees and then went on to win the, the World Series, but never in the NBA. Um, so uh, we'll see. The Heat are shaking off game four, saying that they have, uh, um, we have gone the, the tough route all season long and jimmy butler said look everything's gonna be all right um he is the leader uh he says if anything it will build momentum for us knowing that we have to play with a lot more energy we've got to play like our backs are against the wall but i think all year long we've been better when we've had to do things the hard way butler scored 29 points grabbed nine rebounds dished out five assists but he was still frustrated by the way he performed with so much at stake for the Heat trying to complete a sweep of the Celtics. So um, it's never easy. Closeout games are very, very difficult. Um, And the Boston Celtics proved that yesterday and or last night. And we'll see what can happen as they head back to Beantown and that rabid 
Celtic crowd. Tatum had 33 points and 11 rebounds. He took over in the um, all-important third period where Boston outscored Miami 38-23 to to take control of the game and to stay alive in the series. So let's wait and see what happens tomorrow. Should be an absolutely tremendous, tremendous crowd. Uh, Phoenix has narrowed their coaching search down to a final four. And I don't know who is the best for the job, but um, Suns associate head coach Kevin Young is in the final four. Sacramento Kings associate head coach Jordy Fernandez. I spell mine with a J-O-R-D-Y. He's a J-O-R-D-I kind of guy. And then you've got two NBA championship coaches, Nick Nurse, formerly from Toronto, Doc Rivers, who wanted one in Boston. His latest gig was in Philadelphia. So me personally, no offense to any of these guys, I think Nick Nurse is a really good coach. I think he would be uh, really good, and I think he's a – I think either Phoenix or Milwaukee will scoop him up. And if I'm Milwaukee with Giannis, I would, I'd, I'd make the deal happen now, but that's just my opinion of, um, of how good Nick nurse is. Uh, of course, the Suns are pursuing the successor to Monty Williams, who used to coach the new Orleans Pelicans back in the day. So I'm a big believer in Nick nurse. I really am. Uh, I like him better than Doc Rivers. Um, just me personally. has nothing to do with I just like his style, his demeanor, his way. And I think if I had some superstars like Phoenix has or like Milwaukee has, I would not hesitate to grab him up. All right, let's take a quick time out here. 30 minutes after the hour, the SEC spring meetings taking place next week. Blake Topmeyer, USA Today, covering the SEC will tell us what to expect next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you tired of your boring man cave? Well, the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with the ultimate man cave makeover built by Lafayette Marble and Granite. Sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to win a new recliner from Bordelon's Furniture, a flat-screen TV from AVI, and more. It's the ultimate man cave makeover, powered by Lafayette Marble and Granite and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber for the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We're back at 35 minutes after the hour. If you want to find where all the SEC football and basketball coaches are and the athletic directors and everybody who's anybody in the SEC, just head to Sandestin right there in Florida because it's the annual SEC spring meetings next week. I do believe our next guest who covers the SEC for the USA Today Network, Mr. Blake Topmeyer, will be in attendance. Blake, 
Good afternoon. I really appreciate your time today, buddy. How have you been? I'm doing well, Jordy. Good to talk to you again. You get to, uh, hopefully you bring some sunscreen. Maybe you'll get some days on the time on the beach and have some fun, right? Yeah, usually, uh, you know, people say like, oh, enjoy the weather down there. I kind of joke like, (laughs) yeah, the weather will be whatever temperature it is inside that hotel (laughs) in Sandestin. But no, it's always a fun trip, um, regardless of how much time you do get to to see the beach or not, because, um, you know, unlike SEC Media Days in July, which has become this this made-for-television uh, circus, really. Right. Um, the SEC spring meetings are, are still so much more of an intimate event because they're, they're about the meetings, right? The, the football coaches, right. ADs, basketball coaches, they'll meet in closed-door meetings. They'll talk about important issues that are affecting their sports, their conference. Um, mm-hmm. They'll vote on, on any topics that are, that are called to vote. Um, and then there's a handful of about you know, 30 to 40 media members there, unlike the hundreds that gather for media days. Um, you know, it's not broadcast live on television, nothing like that. Right. So you get much better conversations. Yeah. Um, you feel like you came away with, with something and that you weren't just part of a part of a television show. I'm with you. Uh, for the second straight year, the, I've got to believe that the SEC scheduled format for 2024 and beyond will be the number one item on the agenda that they want to figure out that everybody else wants to hear about. What are you hearing in anticipation of this, of these meetings that will take place? What are you hearing about 24? Yeah, the, the, the closer it gets, the less convinced I am that we're going to get a resolution at, at spring meetings uh, next week, which is just, okay. it's really head scratching. Wow. You know, three months yes. ago, I, I, w- I would have said this will be resolved at, at spring meetings. And that's what Greg Sankey was saying. Three months ago, he started to ease off that language uh, a little bit back in uh, about mid-April. He started to ease and, and started to say, maybe, maybe not a resolution comes uh, in Destin. And obviously, Sankey would like a resolution. He's not the one really holding this up. Uh, the membership still seems to be pretty divided on eight versus nine games. I mean, at some point, you got to put it to a vote and uh, the majority rules, right? Um, but it does seem pretty pretty divided, and I don't know. I'm starting to get the sense that maybe they drag this along a couple more months. I have to think that they want a resolution on this before the start of this season, uh, which leaves them you know, about a three-month window here to get an answer. We know Texas and Oklahoma don't get a vote on this. Uh, representatives right. from Texas and Oklahoma will be at the meeting. They'll be in attendance. They're there to observe. They can, they can contribute dialogue. They don't get a vote. So it's the 14 members in the conference who have to decide, do they want to stick with eight conference games once the league goes to 16, or do they want to get uh, where conferences like the Big Ten already are and start playing nine conference games? Uh, I still sort of think nine's going to win out, but this has been more drawn out and, and more hanging in the balance than I think many of us thought it would be a year ago. Like, what do you think is the big divide between those that want to stick with eight and those that want to go to nine. I, I think nine games with the expanded playoff, I think that would aid and abet the SEC. That's just my thoughts. But why do you think there are those that still want to stick to eight? I think a lot of coaches first concern is remaining employed. And uh, the yeah. easiest way to remain employed is to play the easiest schedule possible. Right. I mean, adding that ninth yeah. conference game, 
It inherently makes your, your schedule tougher. And I think certain coaches, certain schools are concerned about that. I agree with you that adding a ninth conference game strengthens is going to strengthen the SEC's candidacy to fill up the 12-team college football playoff with teams from its membership. You know, if you get down to, say, in 2024, and there's a 9-3 and team from the Big Ten, and there's a 9-3 and team from the SEC, and they're the top dogs vying for that last at-large bid, and the Big Ten's oh. sitting there, they've played nine conference games, plus an additional Power 5 non-conference opponent, and the SEC's only played eight conference games, we see it in other sports. We see it in the NCAA tournament for basketball. We see it in these other yep. sports. When it comes to selection committees, making those final at-large judgments, oftentimes it comes down to your strength of schedule. And I think the SEC is going to have a weak leg to stand on if it's still playing eight conference games and it's got a team with the same record as a Big Ten team that's playing nine conference games. It, it really is going to have a weak leg to stand on. And you can better believe, you remember when, when Nick Saban made kind of the tour to media last year stumping for Alabama to get in the playoffs despite having two yes. losses. Well, if you're, if you're yes. a member of the Big Ten and, and, and you're going for an at-large playoff bid and the SEC is playing only eight conference games, you better believe those guys are going to be reminding folks of that at every turn and trying to plant that idea uh, in the minds of the selection committee. So I agree with you there. I think nine conference games is going to strengthen the at-large candidacy of SEC teams for the playoffs. Uh, but if you're a program that's more uh, trying to get to eight and four and playing the weed eater bowl, uh, maybe that's maybe that's not of your top concern. Realignment is another issue that must be brought up. What uh, if we can't get a schedule right? I guess we can't get realignment <laughs> right either. Yeah, I think this is going to be more kind of just uh, fun chatter. I guess fun for folks like you and me, maybe. Uh, I don't yeah. really see much movement on that. You know, there was all the bluster out of the ACC meetings last week, some fissures in that brotherhood, I guess I would, you could describe it as. Uh, schools like Florida State unhappy with the, that conference's revenue distribution model. Um, but the fact is the ACC has that grant of rights through 2036, and mm-hmm. for all the noise about schools examining that grant of rights and looking for weak spots, um, they've been examining that grant of rights for two years now while this realignment carousel has been in motion. And, and I think you have to believe two years later that grant of rights has proven to be pretty firm. That's why the ACC has not been uh, susceptible to raids like the Big 12 and like the Pac-12 has been. Um, so I do think the topic will, will come up. I think it has to after some of the noise that came out of the ACC meetings last week. But Greg Sankey has, been, has said previously that while the door is not shut for further expansion of the SEC, as far as the ACC goes, he said, look, they've got a grant of rights. And, um, you know, before the SEC were to even consider any of that, they've got to figure out what's going on in the ACC with the grant of rights, meaning basically those schools are off limits uh, while they're still under that grant of rights. And and so far, no one from the ACC has challenged that. Now, you could say, well, you know, the the Pac-12 is still on shaky footing, would, would the yeah. SEC look in that direction? I don't think so. Um, you know, the SEC has not been like the Big Ten in its realignment and expansion. The SEC has looked to add schools of like identity in neighboring terrain to kind of gradually uh, grow their clout and their footprint. Um, so I do think if, if, if these ACC fissures were to lead to a fracture, there would be multiple ACC members that the SEC would have interest in. 
But to, to go out west and, and to snag someone yeah. along the coast, that's more of a Big Ten move than an SEC move. It all comes to a vote, obviously. I know Florida would, would be like, heck no, we don't want Florida State or Miami in the SEC. I'm sure South Carolina would say, heck no, I don't want Clemson in the SEC. But the overall majority, who would be the plums? I, I, I got to believe North Carolina would be a plum because of the, their their marketability nationwide. Do you agree with that? Who are the teams that the SEC would covet from a dissolved ACC? I think from a dissolved ACC, four kind of rise to the top of the list. I think North Carolina is right. That gets you into a neighboring state uh, with a growing metropolis area in, in Charlotte, a big brand. Um, yeah, I, I think North Carolina makes a ton of sense. When you think about past expansions, SEC moved into neighboring states, South Carolina, Arkansas, Missouri, uh, Texas, Oklahoma. Those were neighboring states that grew the footprint. Um, North right. Carolina would do the same thing. Uh, but I do think other schools that fit the, the identity that, that would be of, of interest would be Clemson, Florida State, and Miami. And that may come over objections from, from Florida and South Carolina, yes. Uh, but, but lo and behold, Texas is coming into this conference over objections from Texas A&M. And I think the thing right. that you want, that you fear even more than maybe some of these schools coming into the, the league, is the Big Ten getting those schools instead. You do not want the Big Ten, which is, right. is, is rising up you know, as, as the other superpower. You do not want the Big Ten getting a foothold in, in southern recruiting hotbeds like Florida. I mean, imagine... Imagine if the SEC sat back and passed on Florida State and Miami and the Big Ten swooped in and said, well, thank you very much. Uh, we now are going to plant our flag in, in Tallahassee and in Miami, and, uh, and Florida is going to be our terrain for recruiting now. You don't want that. Um, and, and so I think those four schools, North Carolina, Clemson, Florida State, and Miami, would probably be of most interest to the SEC. But again, you know, this is all a fun conversation, but in, until that grant of rights shows yeah. any real signs that you can you can poke a hole in it, um, I think these schools are kind of glued to the ACC for a while, um, right. and, and it's it's really just maybe kind of in the in the tire kicking stage for for folks like us. Blake Topmeyer with us, SEC media, uh, media days, SEC spring meetings are next week in Sandestin. Um, one thing that seems absurd to me, and we'll, we'll close out on this one, um, is this field rushing, court storming after wins. Now it's become a, you know, you, you, you beat somebody and everybody's going to storm the field. It used to be you win a championship, you storm the field, you take down the goalposts and all that. Now it's become a, a rage. I think it's a television created thing where people are watching. They say, Oh, that looks like fun. Next time we win, let's do that. The fines that are being levied are totally ineffective. And yet this, this thing that I, I don't know who put it out, but talking about if you storm the field, next time you play that team, you lose a home game. There is no way on God's green earth. Anybody's going to vote for that. There's too much money involved so, so what's the answer to the court storming and the field rushing uh, a moat full of alligators i, I think <laughs> I, I think university presidents uh, would be more likely to vote for a moat full of alligators than they would uh for yes this idea that that sports illustrated reported which I, i'm not saying the, that their reporting was wrong I mean, pat 40 right. reported that 
um, was a well-sourced story. I think it was that, that was accurate. I think that idea has been raised of if you storm the field uh, two years later when you're set to host that team, it flips and it becomes a road game. But like you, I mean, they can they can float this idea, but are they going to vote for this idea? I, I don't I don't for a second buy that you're going to get enough um, athletic directors and university you know chancellors and presidents to support this idea. I mean, we, we know football coaches are control freaks and they don't like anything that's beyond their control. Well, keeping right. uh, drunk revelers off the field after after an upset victory is beyond the football coach's control, and I'm sure they yeah. would shudder at the thought of, of having to abdicate a home game two years later uh, because some joyous fans stormed the field. Likewise, is a university president or chancellor going to vote for this idea when, when they think about the thousands in revenue that would be lost from having to abdicate a home game just because you couldn't keep fans off the field? It's a tricky situation because no one wants to see you know if anybody get hurt in these deals, right. and, and it can lead to – some bad encounters between opposing players and fans. It can lead to some right. dangerous situations, crowd swells from, from goalposts being toppled. And the fine system just isn't working. And I covered LSU Ole Miss last year. And, and for some reason that I still can't really explain other than maybe it looked cool for TikTok, uh, LSU fans stormed the field after beating Ole Miss. It's like, right. wait a second. Why, no why are LSU fans on the field after beating uh, yeah. Ole, Ole Miss? But that's just, you know, it's sort of this, yeah, made for television, made for social media type thing. All it is. Um, yeah. I don't know what the solution to it is. The fine system is not working. There are legitimate safety concerns. I do understand why fans want to storm the field in certain. I don't understand why you want to storm the field after beating Ole Miss. I do understand yeah. in certain situations why you want to storm the field, but there's no there's no clear answer here, and I don't buy for a second this idea that's been floated. Uh, that all these university leaders are going to get behind the idea of abdicating a home game because you failed to keep fans off the field. That just that one doesn't pass the smell test. Yeah, you uh, you're going to have to make an announcement like midway through the fourth quarter to the student section. Hey, free drinks at uh, Joe's Hub uh, for everybody <laughs> with with two that leaves with two minutes left to go in the game or whatever. I, yeah, there is no solution to this thing. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? Put Put military guards with with guns out there. I mean, what do you do? I mean, you, I, you I could don't. do like the pros and say if you're on the field, you're getting arrested and and, and could face misdemeanor charges. You know, that, that's what the professional yeah. leagues do, right? You get on the field and 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 some brute tackles you, and you end up with your your mugshot um, on the local news that night. But I just don't see universities getting behind that idea. Yeah. Well, you're going to round them all up in the paddy wagon and. And usher thousands down on down to the um, down to the local PD. I mean, the pro leagues have figured this out. You know, you look back and Hank Aaron hitting his his record breaking home run. How many fans right. were on the field rounding rounding yep. the bases with him? Right, the pro leagues That's have crazy. figured it out. Um, yeah, but I don't I don't see I don't see the same thing happening in, in in college because you have to get the university leaders behind it, whereas in the pros, you know, the league's behind it. So it is said, let it be done. Yeah, the storm field, uh, the court storm I always remember was Boston beating the Lakers and Larry Bird at home, running like a bulldozer, running through people to get to the locker room. Uh, craziness. Uh, we shall see. We're going to let Blake Topmeyer go work on his uh, pre-beach tan so he doesn't burn. <laughs> but he <laughs> so, so have a great time down in the deep south in Florida, and uh, 
We look forward to all your reports on the USA Today Network, man. Thank you so okay. much, buddy. Always fun talking with you. Yep, thanks for having me. We'll see you. All right, Blake Topmeyer with us. We'll come back. We'll uh, give you the latest update from Hoover between A&M and Arkansas. With a very special birthday wish and a very sad day today for the music world. Next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And our great partners, ShopRite, Tobacco Plus, Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks. Cleaning America's air from the inside out. Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. Eon in Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville by the Louisiana Lottery. You can't win until you start playing. DC's Little Capital Exxon. I-10 at the Henderson Cecilia exit with their true soul food deli tucked away in the corner of their store that has everything. It's got the best cheeseburger ever. And by Cajun Chef. Do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef Hot Sauce. He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, time to roll on out of here. Update, uh, Jared Wegner of Arkansas just hit a grand slam in the bottom of the seventh. Arkansas now leads Texas A&M 5-4 with A&M up to bat in the top of the eighth. LSU takes on the winner tomorrow at 4.30. Um, legendary singer Tina Turner has passed away dead at the age of 83 years old today and if today may 24th is your birthday happy birthday from all of us to all of you you share it with the greatest uh greatest basketball player mcneese states ever had joe dumars 60 years young today happy birthday joe thanks to bill Frankes, jeff duncan blake topmeyer thanks to james mesh thanks to all of you for listening in thanks to our partners that make it possible Come on back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 4, same great stations, 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helpert. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Be kind to one another, and let's be happy. Up next, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. So long, everybody.